You are listening to the Ethereum Core Devs Meeting number 11, recorded on March 3rd, 2017. If you would like to help support the show, head over to anchor.fm slash ethereum foundation and donate to the Ethereum or Bitcoin address listed on the profile. Thank you. Enjoy. It is, oh, uh, Christian, it's the uh, EIP-211, so uh, if you want to get started with that, uh, you can go ahead and um, explain it and all that. So I think we already talked about that last time, although it was not an official EIP, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's again, so another solution for the problem that it's hard to return dynamically sized data from calls. And the, the, the proposal would be to create a buffer that is similar to the call data buffer, which um, does not have a position memory, but is a separate buffer, and contains the full returned byte string. And there are two opcodes. One of them is uh, returning the size, that, which returns the size of this buffer and uh, which have data copy, which can be used in a similar way to call data copy, to copy data from that byte string into memory. Um, there are, I think there's, there's one concern, and this is the, the problem that the memory of the callee has to, so it cannot be freed immediately after it returned. And this kind of this changes the, the memory requirements a bit. And um, yeah, I would so yeah, and, um, there was a proposal to um, basically reset this buffer um, whenever memory is resized and I didn't fully get why that uh, can help, so could someone explain that, perhaps? Is Nick here? I don't see him in here yet. I'll send him the link to see if he can join. I think... Or, I don't know, does, does anyone have a better insight into that? <laughs> Why yeah, I think helps. if you all can pull up the page, but uh, Gavin, I think it was Gavin who suggested it, right? Yes, and I think, mm, so Gavin is not here, but I think I've seen Nick also discussing that. Vitalik, do you have any comments about that? Um, hold on, let me read through what Gav says here. Yeah, he updated er, about eight hours ago. He added a comment, too. For this, um... Define any memory resizing operation. Hmm. So theoretically, like calls are not necessarily resizing. I don't know. Like I really don't like his suggestion because I feel like it would require us to add in a bunch of extra hooks in order to figure out like what 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 resized memory and what didn't. Um, I mean, call certainly clears the buffer. So that's a, a separate right. thing. Right. But 
like there are other things like M Store, called Data Copy, Code Copy, and so forth, where like they recheck it, they resize the memory, it's dynamic. Hmm. So, can you just remind me again what was wrong with like some of the, some of the earlier proposals? So things like EIP five and eight, where it only tried to uh, like what the one. You did a call that would only yeah, fill up as much memory as it needed to instead of filling up the whole slice. Yeah, the whole I mean the 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 gas calculations were really complicated. That was the main drawback for both proposals. I would say. Hmm. Is it just the fact that you'd have to add another gas check that's like in the middle of uh, VM, up, uh, VM off execution and not just at the start, or was there something else? Because like I remember implementing EIP 8, I think, in Python, and all I did is I just moved over the one of the memory expansion uh, check, uh, checks from the start of the code to the part of the code that actually allocates the memory at the end, and it didn't seem more complex. So one of the proposals has the drawback that uh, the call opcode can fail after. So yes. it can fail because of yeah. gas while it's already executing. Mm -hmm. And the other version had the drawback that the callee kind of has to reserve a bit of gas for the resizing the call as memory. Yeah. Oh right. The problem with this one is that I feel like it. Uh, first of all, it kind of it increases the complexity of uh, the uh, object that has to be kind of passed around as computational state. So, along with uh, memory and uh, st and stacking gas, we also have yeah, we also have to worry about return data. But it can be generalized as multiple segments of memory. Right, but like that's an even. Uh, Weirder. Yeah, I don't see that as a, as a complication. I mean, return data is exactly the same object as call data, or it's very similar, and then you just have another one. I think it's it's better to have uh, more objects than more complicated rules. Um, I don't know. I mean, I still don't. Hmm. So when I'm transcompiling this to Wasm, I can handle it very nicely this way also. So the, another benefit of, of this is that I, know, so I imagine call as a kind of interface that might also work between two different kinds of virtual machines. And if you specify it like that, it's also, so you don't have to specify the, the, so the memory can be an internal part of the virtual machine if you basically pass on data and call data and turn data buffers. Mm, so the other thing that this, Kind of the real reason why this feels ugly at least to me is that it kind of adds in 
technical debt because now for some weird reason, every time a call finishes, instead of copying data once, you'd have to copy it twice. Or at least you'd have to kind of copy some pointer twice. Or and you, and you only pay once, is that the argument? Or Well, it's not, so, it's not so much payment, it's just about the fact that like this lots of extra weird stuff is happening, some of which is, is, it ends up being kind of vestigial, but we have to keep it around. Uh, did you, uh, re re explain that one? So, uh, okay, so after the, if this gets implemented, then there's going to be two ways to access the data of a call. Right? One of them is going to be to access it from the default by a return data byte array, and the other one is going to be to access to do a return data copy and access it from there. And, like, generally having two kind of redundant ways of doing, some, of doing something isn't really a nice programming practice. Sure, that's because we have to retain backwards compatibility, right? Well, right, but like, even, even still, though, like, I don't want to... Like, if we follow that principle, then like, I'm worried that 30 years down the line we're going to have 50 of these in order to retain backwards compatibility. Mm -hmm. And we can... so... We can say that return data is empty if the return area of the call is not empty. Exists. Mm. Yeah. Which doesn't really simplify, but at least there's only one way to do it at a certain time. So <laughs> you can't combine these two ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so would this also, wait a minute, hmm, didn't mind. So would it help at all to have implement or like little test implementations to see just how complicated it is or, or would it be kind of not kind of pointless because we're still stuck on the idea of it potentially being complicated to maintain backwards compatibility uh, down the line? Uh, I can imagine what it would take to implement all three of these in Python and I still feel like you know, five and eight are like two lines each and this will end up being like 10 or 10 to 15 or more. Yeah, I mean 5.8 is, it's another, it, it's a small change to a rule that is already quite complicated and this is, yeah. And this one adds a new object to the to the state, as you already said. Hmm. Okay, so it sounds like this might not potentially be a good candidate for Metropolis due to some questions. But uh, if between now and the next all core dev call, there can um, either be an alternative, or people can 
come to agreement on it, uh, or I guess come around to the idea of implementing it, I think this can be brought up again. Um, but yeah, I think we should continue the discussion on GitHub unless there's any more comments. So, yeah. I mean, I think this solving this whole problem is, is, is really important. Um, I wouldn't say we, we delay Metropolis because of that, but, um, yeah. Yeah, this doesn't, yeah, this doesn't seem kind of as important as other Metropolis CIPs, but I fully, fully support continuing to iterate on various proposals. Cool, sounds good. Any other comments, Christian? Nope. All right, sounds good. So this one we will just continue um, on GitHub. So let's see. The next one is the um, Ropston spam attack. So uh, I am not up to date on everything. So um, if someone doesn't mind, just kind of in a nutshell, um, just explaining what's going on there and if any... Um, action is being taken um, on the part of the devs to do anything because it's pretty unstable right now is what I've been hearing and additionally if it's actually if it's actually really needed for it to be stable for future uh, testing for Metropolis or other things we're doing. What is the current state of Robston by the way? Is it still kind of borked or uh, yeah, so uh, the current state basically is that, so as far as I know, apparently they just forked off their own version of Rockstar. So they rolled back about 100,000 blocks and, uh, and uh, started a soft fork from there. Uh, regarding the main chain, it's kind of weird because at a certain point we converged on a, on a stable Rockstar network and everything was starting to get back together and then all of a sudden uh, Yet again, a huge, gigantic heavy chain appears, so I'm guessing uh, we have an actor who's actively trying to screw Rockstar. So at this point, uh, and the problem is that he actually, so when he reached the blocks, he decided 9 billion, and then when actually those 9 billion gas is used, then it's a considerable memory burden on the nodes. So it actually can take about 2 gigabytes of memory to just process a single block worth of basically due to the huge, huge uh, stake. So what we've tried, basically, I'm not sure whether I fully agree with the parity approach in doing a software and placing a gas limit on top of, basically they forked and placed a maximum gas limit on the blocks. I'm not sure what that limit is, nor where they forked they from, but, uh, so that's possibly, um, solution that we can follow, basically just uh, release a new version of Geth, or at least the developed version, which uh, which has basically bans the current spans uh, chains and just reverting to some sane state and then syncing on whatever the next best is, which I'm assuming will be what is pushing. Uh, Arkady, yes. do you have any comment on that? Well, clear something, right? It's not like we're pushing it, we haven't, we have not built it in the client yet. I mean, it's just a spec file that users can 
views and revert to a previous statement. Some of them did. Yeah, so the, the unfortunate thing uh, from our perspective at least is that uh, apparently, apparently apparently has uh, the configurability to limit the, the blog estimates via config files to hard limit. Uh, as far as I know, other client has at least get, does not have such a feature to the configurability feature to do to change protocol parameters at least this parameter. So it means that we, if you want to follow on this path, we actually do need to do some uh, some development and releasing. It's not something too hard, but uh, it's not something that we can just release in an hour either. So this um, parameter that's configurable, how is it normally decided? Is it just hard-coded or is it something that uh, is adjusted by miners or users have to go in manually generally? Currently it's hard-coded in the spec file 4.7 million, which is maximum walk, so the miners can still barely get in after that hard-coded maximum. So I informed Peter previously a little bit about that, and, and some people might might not like the idea of forcing basically a soft fork on the testnet. Could we try to achieve the same thing by just increasing the difficulty on the testnet net by getting people with GPU miners to mine on the testnet, and does make testnet easier, more difficult to get, and maybe make the attack more defensive? Yeah, I think, I think that's a good suggestion because I think the problem with trying to kind of uh, push gas limits back into line by itself is that in order to make a gas limit attack, what the attacker has to have over 51% anyway. And if we close down this one fifty-one percent attack avenue that any attacker wants to keep screwing with us, then the attacker may well just launch more traditional class 51% attacks over and over again. So... Yeah, and it should. Yeah, it shouldn't be very hard to push the to, to, to mine it. So mine it enough to push out the PPDs so, so that the spam attack is just not feel anymore. And also, it replicates more the behavior on the mainnet, which is a good thing. Yeah. I think that one of the problematic things is that uh, as so basically most of the clients. Uh, have some sort of um, reorg protection so that you don't get to reorg to large blocks or too, too deeply. Uh, basically, guess currently doesn't allow you to reorg more than 60,000 blocks. And I'm not sure whether, I think, well, apparently has the limit that uh, you basically cannot reorg deeper than the pruning limit, which is whatever, I don't know, a thousand blocks maybe. So it's uh, the problem is that in in order for us to to actually dump all this crap, we need people to sync from a from a previous point. Now uh, for Geth, I can do this. So I'm trying to I'm working on is to so in Geth we have the concept of bad block. So in a release we can add a bad block, and then if a client sees that his chain contains that bad block, it will just delete everything afterwards and start syncing from that point. And, uh, and I'm currently working on a, on a minor modification so that fasting can be resumed, so that I can basically 
delete everything, even if the user was fasting, and then it can, the user can actually proceed in a decent way without having to manually mock around. So I can't do that. I'm not sure whether, for example, Parity could do that. Yeah, I have the same mechanism, basically. Then I guess it, we could try to... could try to push a, a, a new chain. Uh, that, um, we still would need to do a manual release to, in order to force uh, clients to basically to dump one of their chains. Okay, so um, Arkady, is there any strong conviction to maintain uh, the fix the way you guys implemented it, or would it be a potential, like a possibility to get in a chat with the rest of the um, client devs and, and see about this alternate way of coming uh, to a consensus on which uh, chain to dump and which block to could continue on? Sure, I mean, it doesn't matter much. Uh... We're fine with whatever makes sense. Mainly, it, that particular block, so it was uh, before the bulk of the attack has started, it still has some state bloat into it in there, but not as much as uh, was added in the following blocks. Okay, and this, um, Peter, the approach you were talking about, does it, um, how much would it actually? Uh, make some transactions that have occurred invalid to the point where uh, like test dApps would lose some of their state and some of their uh, changes that you know they've pushed to the network? Well, consider that it's about 150,000 blocks. So, yeah, I'm quite certain that it will triple stuff. Okay. There is a, a high enough probability that uh, that the transactions are integrated on both chains, but uh, I'm almost certain that some DAFs will get screwed. Okay, sounds good. Um, or, I mean, it's not ideal, obviously, but um, good that we have clarity on that. So I'm um, not sure if there's any way to avoid that except to, I guess, pick the most used chain or... Um, fork Robston, which would be complicated in itself, I'm guessing. Well, one thing that so one thing that we can do is um, we could uh, try to stick with a uh, stick the parity chain because that they seem to have figured out uh, a nice block number to fork from and uh, and maintain a, a decent semi decent chain. So I'm fine with, uh, with continuing on that one. Um, I think the question is, how can we ensure that uh, all clients end up somehow on that chain? And also it would be nice to then uh, figure out how to remove the block limit, because I personally am not really, and kind of feels weird that we have a block limit on that. But still, it, in order to remove the block limit, it would be nice to know how we can protect against uh, somebody trying to screw it again. Yeah, I would imagine it would be more difficult to provide an incentive on the testnet, at least, for that to happen. I guess it wouldn't be impossible. It would just be getting people to combat it with their mining powers. The only way I can think of. Um, anyone else have thoughts on that, Vitalik? 
So for example, there's one guy um, who's uh, at a certain point he was running one of the biggest mining tools in Ethereum. Uh, he he actually offered me personally that uh, if he can afford to sacrifice a few of his GPUs to just try to push whatever chain you want on Austin. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty cool then. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a good idea then. So let's um, go ahead and take this. This wouldn't be an EIP, obviously. Uh, we can take this into the All Core Devs channel on Gitter and um, coordinate with all the clients. And actually, um, uh, Jan or um, Anton or any other clients that are in here, uh, do you all have any opinions on this? Or is there going to be any issue uh, implementing this on your side? Mm, no, I don't think so. So one, one possible solution is that, uh, so one workable solution is still that we try to push, uh, push one chain that we pick as being the canonical chain and make it heavier than whatever else is out there. And then all clients would automatically sync to that without having to do any modifications. So that's also possible. So I think if Parity and Geth can agree and can somehow sync the same chain correctly, then the remainder of the clients can automatically stink if the chain becomes longer. I think Geth and Parity are kind of the important, chains, important clients to ensure that they sync correctly because both Geth and Parity have, have, have caching power on the testnet. So if either of them picks a different chain, then it's good. Yeah, I would say the top the most used clients for that would be Geth Parity and Ethereum J, um, just because I think Harmony might use that testnet as the default. Um, I'm not positive. Uh, so, but yeah, it sounds like because Anton said that it wouldn't be too hard for them to do something like that. We can just coordinate this in the Gitter channel. Uh, so any other comments on this? Okay, great. Um, I also saw in the last 24 hours, uh, this is item number three, by the way, uh, there was some discussion about um, miners not, um, or miners using the old recommendation for gas price. Uh, can anyone give kind of a quick synopsis on that and uh, what's been done? Um, sure. So... <clears throat> Basically, the idea here is that there are um, the um, my so in general, right now, somewhere around either twenty shannon or somewhere slightly above twenty shannon, and uh, the. Some people are basically concerned because they expect that if, uh, the, the, given that the price of Ether has doubled over the last couple of weeks, the uh, if number gas price should go down to compensate, so the transaction fees don't get too high. Um, so the uh, can, the challenge is though is that while the idea that uh, gas price is in the current environments, the situation is a bit more complicated because the basically the only reason why um, that miners have right now uh, to uh, not include transaction 
isn't because of the, they want to have space for other transactions or the gas limit. It's because they're afraid of uh, increasing the, the, the probability that their block is going to be available, right? So but this, uh, this is something that a lot of miners started taking more seriously back during the uh, DOS attacks. Um, and, uh, but the, the basic principle uh, is that if uh, your blocks that are larger are blocks that take, and therefore more likely to not get propagated in, in, in time before, so I can still with their models. That's actually me. It's about this, and actually, Peter Pratcher from EtherScan made a couple more regressions today, and he discovered that the uh, um, currently the kind of efficient or gas prices in the gas price where the revenue they get from fees matches up with uh, their. Uh, with the cost that they have to pay for uh, from the uh, increased uncle rate, um, the uh, the uh, equilibrium there is around uh, nineteen Shannon, right? Uh, sorry, that's Peter Pratcher from uh, Ether Chain Statistics slash Gas Price. I could actually uh, paste this into the TSG chat room. There it is. Okay. And so right now, I think it. Yeah. So, so there's if we want to have a, uh, a, or if we want the gas price to like uh, go lower, then basically the, the aside from some constants would be to uh, that to look at the way that um, Cohen has Cohen decimal and actually makes the. Uh, among miners, much less willing to include transactions than they otherwise would be. Um, can people still hear me, by the way? Yeah, sometimes your connection gets a little bit slow, but it just um, it just it doesn't actually make you go away. It just uh, slows down uh, your speaking for a second, so you're, you're still somewhat. Um, okay. Sure. Um. Where did it go? Ah, thank you. Yeah, I just pasted the link, but it doesn't seem like it's uh, appeared in the chat yet. Got it now. Oh, got it, okay. There it is, yeah. Yeah, so basically the challenge is that if you look at the average block per word, right, the, yeah, yeah, so the average per word, it's around 3.4 ether, but like if... Um, uncle and cohesion was perfectly efficient, it would be all the way up to 4.375. And that would actually reduce the um, equilibrium gas price all the way back down to like 6 or 8 Shannon. So, I remember that some developers started looking, like, looked briefly at why this was happening, and I think basically the problem ended up being that there's a bunch of situations where when clients receive new blocks, they end up kind of not adjusting the not adjusting their work quickly enough, so the old uncles have a, um, or they uh, basically don't uh, add uncles in until uh, a block a block after when they should when they should be adding uncles into the into the pool uh, the pool of uncles that they're trying to create blocks with. Mm. 
so like if like basically if we want fees to go down then uh, looking at looking at that would be one of the simplest or one of the easiest approaches aside from this the only other thing would be as i said a hard fork to uh, adjust some constants to try to incentivize miners to uh, push uh, more transactions on but i don't think it's at the, we're at the stage where that's needed. So the non-hard fork solution, would that just be, I guess, would that be considered a soft fork or just an education for it's the miners? It's not even a fork. It's a strategy change in the clients. And in fact, it's a strategy change in the clients that miners should support because it would give them more revenue. Ah, okay. So it sounds like it's a dual changing, uh, the clients changing how they, um, yeah, some of the stuff, for their defaults, and then uh, having something that shows miners the um, the fact that it's optimum. Uh, and I, part of what I was thinking is maybe uh, I know that there's for the Bitcoin community there's certain uh, sites that show like the optimum uh, gas or the optimum uh, transaction fee in order to get your uh, transaction on the network. I wonder if there can be some kind of a uh, very basic, like one-page site that shows the optimum strategy for miners to make the most uh, money at the well, time using a formula. minutes ago. Oh, great! Awesome. No, but what's the thing is like that's their optimum gas price, right? The optimum uncle inclusion strategy is something that would have to be coded into the clients. It's not something that you can kind of set. Ah, got it. Okay, that's different than yeah, one of the parameters they can set. Okay, um, so yeah, let's uh, let's start with parity. Parity. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Is that something that could be agreed upon and then changed? Well, yeah, sure. We did a number of optimizations on that. So as for the gas price, so by default we have tied to the either yeah, price in USD. But as far as I know, major pools just don't use defaults. They override specified price. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. And then uh, go team. I'm not entirely sure what the change would entail. We can change whatever, so it's, it should be fine if there's a clear thing what to change. Uh, just to react a bit to the parity's um, dollar approach, I think a problem is, uh, one of the problems that I see in the network currently is that uh, even if miners can't, so the problem if miners override the defaults, and apparently they, uh, they do, then, uh, then if average nodes do run with defaults which are below what miners say, then it might happen that the network starts to fill up with spam transactions that, does, that just circulate over all over the place without actually any miner including it. So that's uh, that's my main issue with uh, with dynamically adjusting gas prices. That somehow average nodes need to adjust to what miners do, not to what the defaults are. Yeah. <coughs> way, one, uh, on this general topic, I just wanted to uh, make one suggestion, uh, I'll actually ask, maybe this already exists, but if not, make it a suggestion, which is that aside from just being able to choose the gas price in terms of the number of way, maybe make it possible to choose the gas price, like either, even like in Web3.js as 
either a percentile or as a multiple of the of the average that gets included or something similar. The idea would be that that would just make it easier to pay more to get included quickly. Hmm. Is there anyone from Web three JS in here that can comment on that? I guess it would be Alex or Martin. Mm-hmm. I I can pardon him to to put the bomb here, but he's I think he he would be doing some other stuff. I don't think the problem is including it fast. I think the problem is uh, the fact that we lowered the gas price without opening up the network to get to a denial service attack. So basically, we cannot lower it. Personally, from sorry, for myself personally, from a user experience experience standpoint. These for mere stepping like seconds instead of speeding up, like that is something that uh, you know uh, people. It, it is a functionality that people I think wants to have, but uh, you know I, I, do, I do agree that like there is this other problem of how do we get miners to accept lower fees and then how do we get miners to accept lower lower fees without. Um, or how do we allow lower fees without making uh, DLS situations worse? Um, so, on the third point, my uh, current instinct is that uh, I think, first of all, regardless of whether fees are low or high, like there's, there, there is a risk that attackers are going to be willing to just make full blocks and just fill up full blocks forever, whether that's an attempt to make the blockchain not work well, or whether it's an attempt to uh, bloat blow the state. And I think uh, if I mean, if it's hopefully uh, you know once we uh, get up, or if we're comfortable that all of the denial of service issues are fixed, then theoretically, like even if uh, blocks are being one hundred percent spammed uh, uh, the whole time, like that's something that nodes should theoretically be able to tolerate. But in terms of state-sized growth, I think that's in the area where if we want to mitigate it, then we'd have to rebalance uh, gas price, off-code gas prices again. So it sounds like there's not a quick fix necessarily, but as long as the uh, cost versus benefit is on the benefit side for you know enabling people to um, I guess have more freedom to choose. Uh, I think I think I'm following that correctly. Then that would or to choose the um, gas price when they're actually sending their transaction. Uh, that that can alleviate some of the um, issues that people yeah. are having. Okay, so on that on that area, uh, I was running some tests and missed, but I, I was I was I was wondering exactly this. And what I've seen is that 75... Oh, Alex, could you get closer to your mic? Hi, sorry. Can you, can you listen to me? Yep, we can hear you now, if you could start over. Okay, so uh, I, I ran some statistics in this, and over the last thousand blocks of all transactions that were included, over 75% of them were exactly 20 channels. And less than 1% were free, and... Only, only 
And only above that they are they are in Shamanite. So basically that means that most people even though that in Mesri include even though in Mesri you include the slider, even though in Mesri you include the slider, most people don't don't change it to make it larger. And if you put it smaller than twenty shaman, the transaction will never never be accepted. So most people do not change the default slider. Okay, I mean, if it's not too pressing, then that's fine, but it's still nice to have. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that the when the price rises, the, the idea that the transaction cost should go down is something that most users expect. Okay, so yeah, that would be, I guess, the a suggestion for the Web3 team, right? For the Web3 team? Sorry, why the Web3 team? Oh, okay, maybe I'm not following this correctly, but I thought it was the user being able to... Or I guess they already can adjust that in Mist, never mind. Yeah, they can adjust that in Mist, but if, if you put it lower than 20 Shannon, then your transaction will not be relayed and you will not be included in any mining. Anybody okay, so yeah, if, it, if everyone else doesn't think it's a pressing issue, it doesn't need to be resolved today necessarily. So, uh, any other comments? So, I do think it's a, a semi pressing issue. At least, we, we don't have to solve it now, but it would be nice to solve it uh, rather in the short term than the long term. The so basically, if we can figure out how to prevent the network from being dust offline, I'm fine with whatever solution. Um, Peter, can you just clarify, are you specifically concerned about DOSs in terms of uh, kind of short-term impact? So, like, pushing local rates very high, making it hard for nodes to stay synced, or are you talking, thinking about more long-term DOSs that try to like, load up the state to make it really big over the course of a couple of months? Actually, I wasn't uh, talking about the blockchain, I was talking about the network itself. So, oh, the network? No. Okay. Okay. No, I yeah, agree that's something that probably needs to be studied much more. So, um, I, I think last Christmas, I mean 2014, or 15 Christmas, uh, there was an issue that, that we are properly, every node was just sending around uh, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of transaction, invalid transactions. And it was actually slow. <laughs> and it fixed that issue. But, uh, but actually it was kind of an eye-opener eye that a lot of things can go really wrong if you allow, un, basically, transaction, if you allow transactions to circulate the network that will never ever be included. So it's, uh, it's not something that we should lightly add. Yeah, so just yes. to clarify, the, the, the problem is that even though carry miners, um, if they use their defaults, they'll mine, uh, you know, they'll accept transactions at 10 shaman with gas price of 10 shaman. Um, the gas nodes won't relay those transactions, so effectively the, um, it's on, you can't broadcast a, a transaction with less than 20 shaman because of gas relay policy.
So, Peter, uh, is that something that uh, sounds accurate for the way Geth uh, operates on default? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's absolutely how it operates. But that's also kind of my point that if uh, if uh, if you start circulating transactions that won't be included by any miner, then you will trickle the network. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, unless there's any more comment, it sounds like this needs more. Oh, sounds like this needs more study. So. Um, uh, For example, one thing that we could try to do is uh, uh, so parity old approaches to tie the gas price to the dollar value. Uh, although I really, I really find that a horrible idea from a centralization point of view because it means you just call an API of one of the exchanges and hope that it won't fuck your entire network up. So that's my biggest issue with it, because you're kind of placing the whole uh, fee market in the hands of an exchange. But if you can tie it in a more or less reasonable way to the dollar value, then maybe at least miners, but probably there will be some miners who won't manually change it, so maybe they will at least I don't know, maybe we can try to play around with it. The problem is it's you won't see the negative effect soon and by the time you see the negative effects it's too late to fix. Hmm. Oh Arcady on the parity client, is there any um I guess like plan if the exchanges or whatever data source is manipulated? Is there multiple data sources that are pulling for that um uh US dollar price? Currently, there's just no data source, uh, but it's checked for being sane, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, you can always overwrite it. Okay. Yeah, the thing is really, uh, so if, uh, given that if a price is around uh, $20 currently, I would say that uh, Five, between $5 and $100, everything would kind of look same. So, but it could really impact the network a lot. Hmm. Okay. So there's a few different... So yeah, it sounds like there's a few different suggestions. Uh, Peter, if you could um, just do just a summary write-up of uh, kind of what we talked about on the issue, we can... Um, circulate that for more discussion and see if we can't come up with a uh, short to intermediate term solution um, unless it's something more pressing uh, I don't exactly have a grasp on how pressing or how tight it is to the price so yeah, yeah I'll, I'll try to summarize some stuff and at least voice my concern so that other people can also read through it and then we can figure out Okay, great. Yeah, if you write that up and send it to me, I'll uh, circulate it on the appropriate channels for Parity, Ethereum J, uh, Ruby, all the other ones, and maybe even Reddit if, if appropriate. Sure. I think I wrote one. Whether I, I already have something like that, we can have to find it. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, any other comments on that? Um, yeah, I'll just add that the um, the transaction relay policy is important to, you know, uh, I think it's worth an, an EIP to specify, you know, the networking layer, the 
transaction relay policy because right now the the abstraction of um, of transaction origin, um, you know, the account abstraction, uh, it won't work if if guest nodes uh, don't relay um, transactions with with zero gas price. Hmm. So is that something? But, oh, go ahead. So uh, let's suppose that we start relaying transactions with zero gas price, and I start firing out uh, contract calls from uh, a million different accounts all at the same time. Since it's zero gas price, it means that they are all valid. What happens then in the network? So that's one of the, I guess, spam DOS vectors that you were referring to earlier? Yeah, so the problem is that I... So, um, I can basically churn out infinite number of transactions that are completely valid, yet they will never ever be processed. And I can, the problem is that uh, given zero gas price, I can actually create new, brand new transactions. I can just create them as fast as I can and shove them into the network at different nodes and they will start propagating it. And even if they drop some of them, I don't care as long as they propagate something, the network will start getting sluggish. Hmm. Okay, that does sound like a concern. Okay, so yeah, um, any other comments? Um, otherwise, it sounds like Peter's going to summarize all of this since it's a non, non-trivial but, you know, can-be-solved issue. Oh, Daniel, your microphone's not working. So, Daniel, your microphone just went haywire and sounded like a robot who is screaming for dear life. Uh, if you could uh, repeat what you said and just look at chat, we'll tell you – or the chat in Google Hangouts. We'll tell you if it does it again, if you can adjust anything. And it, and it might be a combination of your microphone volume, uh, input volume, and uh, your how close you are to it. Okay, is it any better now? Oh, it's perfect now. So if you could just repeat what you said. Okay, so I said that my only comment was that uh, it is not necessary. The solution to these dust problems is not necessarily a hard cut of policy of whether to forward transactions or not forward, but it might also be solved by prioritization. That uh, if a node is having many transactions to choose from, then it might choose which transactions to forward first. That might also mitigate dust attacks, as described by Peter. That was my only comment. Mm, yeah, that's uh, true. The, the problems start happening when, for example, I would, uh, an attacker would try to propagate uh, transactions that cost a lot of money, yet they will not be included for some reason. And they actually might uh, prioritize out legitimate transactions. So there's... For example, I'm a, 
I create a transaction that requires uh, 4 million gas, but costs little, than Shannon, and then a shit ton of subsequent transactions that are really, uh, really, really expensive. But since every, each of them would consume a full block, um, or maybe I, I'll create 10 blocks worth of transactions really cheaply, and then a ton of really, really expensive uh, transactions. And everybody will be spinning around the expensive transactions, whereas they will, won't get included anytime soon. And the legitimate transactions get uh, starved. I'm sure it's possible to solve it. I'm just saying that it's not, uh, not an obvious solution. Okay, so yeah, it could even potentially be a combination of the um, some of the things you talked about and optimizing uh, what gets relayed. Um, so yeah, and it, I guess it's what I guess you have to also judge if these rules or these changes would even be followed, or if they can be made in a way that you know everyone cooperates for the best interest of either themselves or the network. Uh, so yeah, this is an interesting problem. Um, yeah, any other comments on this? Okay, so yeah, uh, the last item uh, that's officially on the agenda, uh, and just by the way, before we go into this fourth item, is there any other ones that didn't make it on the agenda that someone wanted to cover uh, after item four? Nope. Okay. So we're going to go ahead with uh, agenda item four, which would be the Metropolis EIPs. Um, so from my perspective of where we're at with that, there's going to be some – there's some people who are formalizing them in PRs. Uh, the EIP editor team has been going in and uh, providing suggestions or uh, getting them to conclusion um, as far as uh, making sure that they're – syntactically correct by the EIP standard and that there isn't any glaring errors. Uh, does anyone else have comments? I know Vitalik has written uh, a good majority of them, or maybe all of them, so you can go ahead with your uh, no, summary. Um, I mean, I don't have... I don't think I have any serious new updates on any of the Metrop working with uh, Christian on, uh, fi on finalizing some of the privacy-related ones, going to be working with Jeff soon on implementing them. So that would be um, elliptic and pairings. Um, aside from that, I don't think I've had any new insights since the last call. Okay. About a month ago, I know... Uh, Martin Holswinde had brought up the um, uh, the issue of the difficulty bomb. Is there an update on that as far as the network changes that may have prolonged that, or if there is something that needs to be planned and um, what time frame? Practically speaking, I think it'll have to be prolonged. Mm. So I did the math, and I it's... Uh, I mean, actually, I can just redo the math right now. Hold on. Um, and this is just on what the um, ICH is going to look like. Yeah. Um, 
Because I feel like there should be somewhat of a, at least a an emergency mitigation strategy if needed uh, at minimum, but also just kind of thinking about if anything right. needs to be done. Okay, there. I'm going to ran my script with the latest data, and it looks like at the end of March, the block time is going to be around 14.6 seconds. At the um, end of June, it's uh, going to uh, uh, go up to what? It'll be at about 20, 20 to 21 seconds. And... At the end of August, it'll be 32 seconds. Okay. Um, as far as um, yeah, as far as mitigations go, I mean, I, I uh, like swinging them. For example, is that in a difficulty calculation function, we would uh, basically add a um, add a uh, you were able to say if the block number is less than 4 million, then use that. If, the, if it's the block number is between 4, let's say 4 and 6 million, then just use the number 4 million. And if it's above 6, 6 million, then use the block number minus 2 million. So we would just add a kind of artificial uh, discontinuity. Okay. And, that, and that's something that would hold up all the way until um, the potential transfer from proof of work to proof of stake? Yes. Yes. Um, so an update on the transfer to provoke stake, by the way, is that with my latest kind of thinking, and I mean, if you want more details, like I wrote a bunch of medium posts and I'm going to keep writing more, is that it does seem like we actually, there actually might be a, a possibility of doing a kind of slow transition. So where we would go switch from uh, proof of work to uh, proof of work with proof of stake running on top, that doesn't really mean anything to hybrid proof of stake to kind of more full proof of stake over time. So like, even though like I'm implementing 100% of that roadmap might take longer. So like I could see it taking more than a year. I, yeah, it, we would get to some of the earlier stages possibly ahead of schedule. So that's just the information to think about. Yeah, I've recently uh, heard an interview with uh, Rick Dudley. I think that's how you say his name, uh, where he was mentioning yes. the, um, I, I guess, the certainty that there would be a, a time in the transition process where proof of work and proof of stake would be running alongside each other, um, and also figuring out, I guess, how the, how the EVMs are going to, uh, I guess, work beside each other, or if there's complete compatibility. Um, complete compatibility with EVM one versus the EVM two. So yeah, my question basically is the, um, uh, for the P, uh, POW and POS running alongside each other, would that be something that, uh, is still a little bit unexplored or is it pretty much known that, uh, through these transitions that it's going to take months, 
uh, to kind of decouple the two. So what do you mean by decoupling? So uh, running them at the same time at what... Uh, oh, okay, so it's not going to be two blockchains, right? That's... Oh, no, not two blockchains, uh, two... Uh, so proof-of-work and proof-of-stake at the same time. Algorithms, yeah. right? No problem. Yeah. So the idea would basically be, right, that uh, we could first implement the proof-of-stake part very conservatively so that the proof-of-stake would basically only finalize blocks after proof-of-work has, like, de facto finalized them anyway. Then, over the course of a couple of months, we would implement clients that would favor the proof-of-stake for-choice rule. Then we will probably cut down the proof-of-work block reward, increase um, add a proof-of-stake validator reward. Then we would um, implement some hybrid proof-of-stake scheme that would let us kind of parameterize between proof-of-work and proof-of-stake on a 0 to 100 scale. And then we would just implement, implement that. And uh, so the first part would not even be a hard fork. It would be like a very weird kind of soft fork. The... Um, and the second part would be a hard fork, but it could be one that kind of eases into the new version over the course of maybe 100 days or something. Okay. So it's just more of a, an issue of implementation and coordination once the research team, I guess, somewhat officially wraps up the uh, process on uh, exactly. how that can go. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So, so by the way, stage one is already being implemented. In the form of a Python diamond that talks to Jeff through RPC. Oh, okay. So uh, is that something that's also in any other clients or just um, – oh, implemented, not um, actually so pushed. theoretically, can talk to any client with RPC. Okay. Oh, I see. Um, so my instinct would be to keep it pure Python for now because it's still kind of in iteration mode. But once it settles, then it should probably be implemented into clients directly. Okay, and the timeline for that is post-Metropolis, it sounds like? Yeah, yeah, for implementing it into the seven clients is post-Metropolis. For doing it in Python, it will happen in parallel, and we can keep doing it in parallel. Okay, sounds good. So um, I guess if I were to create a summary on the Metropolis stuff, uh, the EIPs are seeming to go well. Uh, there is some discussion on them. Uh, we're going to continue to monitor the PRs, um, and the editors are going to uh, look to make sure those are moving along and don't get stalled as far as discussion and other things are concerned. Um, and then, uh, oh, finally, is there when is the when is there a need to actually put a block number down for Metropolis? It sounds like the last time we talked, we uh, or actually two meetings ago, we were talking about. Uh, making it a fairly conservative, um, fairly conservative number to allow a ton of time for testing and to uh, have less rushed hard fork uh, in order to avoid any issues we've had previously. A less rushed, a less rushed, rushed hard fork. You mean we do Metropolis? Yeah, when you actually do Metropolis, because um, I mean Homestead wasn't rushed yeah. either, but like some of the recent hard forks, it, there was a cadence of, you know having a hard fork performed within a month just because of having to mitigate yeah. attacks and other things. So I guess this one... So, yeah. Oh, you can go. Sorry, I didn't quite hear all of that. Yeah, so it, I was just saying the cadence of recent hard forks has been rushed, so Jeff, um, iterate, or Jeff implied uh, two meetings ago that we should be given plenty of time. So is there any comments on... 
um, how much time that should be or if there is a need to actually set kind of a rough time uh, in the next couple of weeks or something to make to decide on the block number or things like that. So I don't think we should be deciding on the block number until the C++ client has created tests and until all clients are passed. Uh, um, the thing that we can decide is the lead time. So the time between these I recommend making a starting to, to, to go longer for that. So like maybe go up to something like three weeks. Okay. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Or three weeks pending any issues that may arise that would... Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Yep, that sounds good. Any other comments on the Metropolis EIPs? I have a quite specific question about the account abstraction. Um, is it the case that if, if we have this special zero signature, then the sender is set to uh, minus one air quotes uh, yes. for all? Um, yeah, okay. So anyone can spend uh, money that might be there, for example. Yes. Okay. Right, sounds good. Any other comments on Metropolis? Um, I think it'd be good to have uh, an idea of when we're shooting for, you know, to do the fork. Whether you know, is it August? You know, is it would it be okay to do it when blocks are uh, block time is thirty seconds, or would we prefer it closer to you know fifteen or twenty seconds? Hmm. My personal preference would be um, end, w would be end of June, but mm. hmm. so yeah, and that kind of sounds like it's dependent on uh, the implementations and the discussions yeah. over what's if implementation longer than we can then obviously end up happening a bit longer or a bit later. Okay, there can I guess I I agree with Casey though. There needs to be um, I guess some sort of at least assurance that there is a time frame we're shooting for in order for the network uh, block time to not go up to an unsatisfactory level for the majority of the, or a level that the majority of the community would think is an unsatisfactory level. So. One concern is that if the block times get too high, then a lot of hash power might, might switch to, um, you know, a more profitable uh, chain. Um, I would argue that at this point, Ether is just like so far ahead of other uh, other cryptocurrencies in terms of uh, dollars per second that I'd argue the number of people, the number of risk of that is is, is actually lower than the extent to which you make people happy by temporarily reducing the inflation rate. Okay. Um, sounds good. And I, I, mean, I guess I actually did the math. And back when Ether, if I was at five dollars, I would have definitely suggested much more caution. But and sorry, back when Ether was at five and Zcash was at fifty, but now that Ether is at nineteen and Zcash is at is at forty, it's uh, actually yeah, the concern is that it's further away. Okay, and if there is a change such that uh, somehow we get back to the state you were like, uh, 
or the conditions, not necessarily the price of $5, but other conditions in the cryptocurrency ecosystem, uh, would this be able to be the time frame adjusted and we feel safe enough uh, to do it by – would it still be kind of a shooting for end of June or would it need to be pushed up quicker for uh, Casey's so concerns? I think end of June it should be unobjectionable because, look, 20 seconds versus uh, 14 point of point 0.2 isn't that much. But uh, if once we start talking about 14.2 versus 30, like, that's uh, a different issue. So if under those conditions, yes, we'd have to probably push Metropolis up ahead and kick out a future or two. Okay. Sounds good. So, yeah, we can cross that bridge when we come to it, it sounds like. Um, and we'll just be monitoring that over the next few all-core dev calls. Um, any other yeah. Metropolis-related uh, comments? Um. What, uh, Christian, I wanted to ask, what, uh, has there been progress on uh, implementing these in C++, and um, when does it look like we're close to having tests for them? Um, the blocker currently is integrating LibSnark properly. The okay. implementation should be 100% uh, finished. <laughs> so, okay. And Dimitri um, already started some tests. Perfect. Uh, yeah, in that case, I'd recommend starting tests for everything except for the snark stuff. And uh, uh, so, so sorry. Uh, no. So the snark stuff is implemented. The rest not yet. <laughs> or what was the question? Oh yeah. I mean, I was I was asking about the uh, the, the all of the Metropolis features other than the snark stuff. Mm. No, no, okay, sorry. Yeah, no, we we started work on on the other stuff and the snark stuff. The snark stuff is mostly. Is okay, got it. Thank you. That's, uh... Okay, cool. Any other clients um, wanting to comment on their progress on some of the implementation? Um, Arkady, I saw the parity team. I think was in the process of uh, at least doing initial implementations of eighty six. Yeah, that's right. It's a work in progress. So, yeah, mostly we're waiting on the tests. That's the most pre pressing concern. So, concerning 86, um, does our current test infrastructure allow for these tests? Because, I mean, when, when, when transactions come in Y block, they should all be valid, right? So, what I'm saying is we don't have test infrastructure to test the mining strategy, right? Right, and um, yeah, we haven't implemented that at all. All right, sounds good. So we're waiting on test, and then um, that'll help with testing. But it sounds like we're still at least finalizing some of the specs, so that that can definitely happen in parallel. Yeah. In, in general, if we want to uh, test mining strategy, then one thing you could do is you could just sit, put your miner up on Robston and on Robston check, you know, if you create blocks, then make sure that the uncle rewards that at least the, for uncles that you're including are at 4.375. Okay. So that could even be coordinated if we want beforehand, if we just um, figure out yeah. the Robston miners, if, they, if we can just ask them to do that. I mean, well, this is a strategy thing, so it doesn't really need client coordination. Oh, okay. Oh, so yeah, that, yeah. that's right. Cool. And then, um, yeah, I think, is there anything else Metropolis-wise anybody had a comment on? 
Mm, can't think of anything. Cool. Uh, quick shout out to Yoichi's uh, work. He just released a blog post on um, formally, I guess, formally verifying some of the, um, uh, or I guess it looked like it was putting it like graphically, some of the things that uh, are coming up for proof of stake and some of the stuff the research team has been doing. Yeah, so that was the Vitalik's version of Casper. And actually, uh, this week, Vlad Samia came to the Berlin office, and now Vlad and I are doing something similar for Vlad Casper. Uh, and I think, I mean, we are now I'm explaining everything to these machines, so now I think this helps explaining things to people as well. So, yeah, clarifying lots of things. Awesome. Sounds good. Um, yeah, good job. And uh, last point is that the EIP editors are uh, currently meeting periodically to go through EIPs. Um, again, if anyone in here has an EIP, especially one that is mid-2016 or older, if you could go in and update them to say, this is something that I still want to do, or... This can be closed or close it yourself. That would be incredibly helpful because we are crunching through, I think, 156 or so EIPs that are in various states of uh, abandonment or um, just like some in progress stuff, including stuff from 2015. So, uh, yeah, if you could go in there and do that, that'd be very helpful. Um, and then we're also uh, checking the PRs fairly frequently every few weeks to make sure that uh, those kind of stay in line. So, um, yeah, I think other than that, is there any other comments from anybody? Yes, just one quick question. Uh, on the last meeting, we, uh, Robert proposed a uh, semi-formal EIP that we should dump the ETH underscore compile RPCN points, and I think it kind of makes sense, and most of the people agreed. I think he also proposed an EIP based on the link. And uh, more or less everybody said that it's a good idea. So as far as I'm apparently already marked in uh, PR to delete it, we also have an open PR. Uh, my question is, if we're, is this something that we're going to through with? And if yes, then probably you can just accept it as a, yeah, so accept the IP or something. Unless I'm also that objection. So the, the most important thing to watch out here is to uh, update the tutorials accordingly, right? Yeah, that, uh, I would agree. Yeah, so that's that's a valid point. Um, yeah. And would this then be handled by the uh, group that makes the DAP frameworks, I guess? As well, far as once you take it away? So as, as Robert, I think Robert also pointed out on the on the issue, uh, I mean the EIP proposal, that the problem is that uh, nobody really uses these endpoints anymore because, for example, many people want to select which version of Swift they want to compile. It's not possible to do that. Then some, it's not really. So I, I don't think people heavily depend on these kind of things. Maybe we can shout out on Reddit to just ask whether somebody's actually using it. But it's actually, it doesn't really make any sense to use uh, ETH the underscore compile solidity versus just using Solsi directly. 
Okay. So I, I hear a lot of uh, yeah people coming in asking about how to use it so that it doesn't work basically, and I guess it's all beginners who are trying to follow the tutorials. Okay, so updating the tutorials would need to be something that is um, looked at, and right now the uh, tutorials, or at least the ones that the foundation has more or less produced, are pretty outdated themselves, so that's a whole different issue. Uh, but inside that EAP, we can kind of discuss um, how to move forward with that in the best way. Actually, I'm not sure whether you guys have a uh, some tutorial page for Solidity because I know that, for example, the Go Ethereum wiki pages. Somebody, sometime two and a half years ago, maybe Victor, he wrote uh, some Solidity tutorials that are hardly out of date. And in all honesty, I don't really feel that Solidity tutorials should be in the Go Ethereum wiki page because they have nothing to do with Go Ethereum. And honestly, I don't think it's it's something that we as the Go team would like to maintain. But nonetheless, people do find it, and then people come nagging us that it's outdated. And yeah, it's, it sucks that it's outdated, but we don't want to maintain Solidity tutorials nonetheless. Oh, I, I actually was not aware that there is a tutorial on the, on the GIF uh, wiki. I was maybe talking about the tutorials that are on the Ethereum.org website. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, it would be a really nice thing if we could uh, maybe have a more I wouldn't say organized approach, but maybe an organized effort to to try and uh, maybe create a tutorial page that uh, that we can just link to, and that at least we can maintain only a single place and not not yeah. scatter. Yeah, ethdocs.org was our initial attempt at that, and that's kind of uh, fallen as a uh, not a priority compared to some of the other stuff the maintainers were doing. So I might do a shout out. On Reddit to see if anyone wants to pick up on that. And anyone here, uh, the ethdocs.org, there's a repository in the Ethereum uh, GitHub account that's called like Homestead Docs. That really needs to be updated uh, to something more generic, but um, I hopefully we'll have time soon to do that. There's a few things more pressing because uh, I was one of the main maintainers. The other ones were Bob um, Summerwell and uh, Victor. Tron, and I know Victor's been all in on Swarm and stuff lately, so I know he can't maintain it. So it's more of a uh, an issue on that front of finding someone to maintain it and keep up with uh, the changes. So I'll, I'll see if anyone in the community can take that on, uh, along with maybe someone who works on a core client just helping with their piece of that. And, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much uh, the deal with that. And I'll, I'll comment on the EIP uh, to see uh, how we can move that along uh, as far as a plan and what type of EIP it should be. Cool. Is there any other comments? Great. All right, I think we're good here. I'm going to upload this recording uh, in the next few days. I'm behind on uploading the recordings, but... Uh, that, that should be fixed pretty soon. I'll have 10 and 11 up. So uh, thanks, everybody. We'll have another meeting, um, I guess, in two weeks, uh, which would be the third Friday of the month. We're, we're on a cadence now of the first and third Fridays every month. So uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, have a good weekend.
Bye bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.